Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family, and of course proudly associated with the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and uh, once again, the entire tripod is not with us tonight. But this time, it is John Dam Johnston, who uh, we gave the night off. He's been uh, carrying his fair share of the load the last couple of weeks and uh wasn't feeling too great. I said, I said, we got this, John. You 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 rest easy, big boy. But back this week, his triumphant return after a couple of weeks off, he's the man who's been busier than a one legged man in an ass kicking contest. Hoss Reuter. Welcome back, buddy. How you been? It's been a it's been a minute and a half, is what they say. It, the kids. It, it has been a couple of minutes, you know. One up and you're there. Um, I've been good, busy with school and work and all that that entails, and um, still trying to kind of rationalize why we're sitting at four and three, and it feels like our season's effectively over. So you know the usual. Can I? I, I want to stop you right there. Our season is not over, sir. We have Greg. Do you do you remember the first time we did a episode after a Minnesota game? I do. It was two years ago. I was looking for you this past Saturday when we were doing a post-game reaction recording. And, uh, <laughs> wait, no, we didn't do one, I don't think. No. I was, uh, I was indisposed of. Oh, no, we, we did, we did do one two weeks ago. I was thinking, I forgot we had the bye week. Yeah. So we didn't have the, uh, a post-game reaction show. Uh, and, and it was me and I want to say it was Evan. Might not have been Evan. No, I don't know who. Anyway, uh, no, yeah, it was, I missed you, by God. That was a rough one. Let's talk about it. I don't, I think this world would have exploded if we had two post-game Minnesota beatdown podcasts in our tenure together. That being um, said, that was. It would was, have been like a nuclear meltdown. But you've said it before that that. Minnesota, you know, 2017 Minnesota loss, you know, let's jump on and record because you were fired up, was, yeah. that was the start of the magic, as it were. I mean, that's when we started clicking. We still talk about Some it. humble beginning. Yeah, we still talk about it two years later. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to, I don't think that this is going to be a situation where the home team always wins. Whereas, you know, in the in the Northwestern series, it often seems like the away team wins. I think we're going to get that one back next year, and then we're going to go on a little run, uh, and and we're going to dominate Minnesota uh, until 2025. I'm not saying that's when it's going to stop. I'm just going to say through, you know, the early 20s, the next half a decade, we're going to do some good things against Minnesota, and not just Minnesota, the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, it's tough to see right now. You know, we stand at four and three. Um, and it, you know, the, the losses, the couple of blowout losses, but one of them to an Ohio state team that, you know, as long as they do 
everything they need to do over the next two months or, you know, month and a half, they're going to go to the college football playoffs. Um, you know, we lost in overtime to Colorado because we don't have a kicker, but we also took our foot off the gas pedal uh, in the second half after, you know, blowing a 17-point lead. And Minnesota, I mean, there's no other way to say it. We didn't come out ready to play, and we got pushed off the ball both sides, you know, offense and defense. So we just got out-muscled. Um, that could have gone a different way. You know, if we had a kicker, maybe we – don't have to necessarily, you know, go for it on fourth and whatever on our first drive and, and turn the ball over in their, you know, on their side of the field. It, there are opportunities that, you know, for points that were missed because our our personnel is not what we want it to be right now. Uh, we didn't have Adrian Martinez. We don't know if we're going to have Adrian Martinez this week either. Um, but let's talk just briefly. We don't want to rehash. We don't want to bring stir up in too many negative emotions in a fan base. What do you remember seeing in that game at Minnesota back on October 12th? Well, I think the most troubling thing was from that game was the fact that we were glaringly mentally weak. Um, You saw after Wandale Robinson had that long screen pass down to the four-yard line that got called back because of a holding penalty on Cannavinoa, you saw a team just emotionally hit the shits and you know it's it's easy to sit here and say that you know that you got to be mentally tougher than that and then when you're playing in a game like that or you're coaching in a game like that or a season like this one it's easy to get your head to put your head down you know um you need success breeds success confidence begets confidence and so that was the thing that stood out to me the most was just how mentally weak that we looked that night. Um, I wouldn't backup I, quarterback issue is never going to be good. You know, when you're playing on the road in the big 10 conference, what was, what were you going to say? I, was, I wanted to piggyback on that, on that first point you made. This is a team, you know, we talked about, you know, about this time last year, this is a team that in 2018 won four of their last six games. But up until then, the, so much of the, I don't want don't know if consensus is, is the the right word, but the attitude, at least amongst us, was it was a team that really didn't know how to win. You know, when you look at 2017, they went four and eight, but they finished out the season pretty crappily. I'm pretty sure that's a word. Uh, and then they you know started zero and six. You know, last year, so it was a team that just really didn't know how to win. And you look at the losses that they have, and they've got some close wins. Um, you know, they, they had a close win against Northwestern, close win against Illinois, um, and, you know, maybe too close uh, of a win out of the gates against South Alabama. There's really only been one team, you know, with, with the exception of Bethune-Cookman, which I don't even know if we can count, no offense to the uh, good gosh darn people of Bethune-Cookman, um, but there's really only been one game in the last calendar year that they've ran away with, and that was Northern Illinois. Uh, last month, they they need. I don't know. Again, I don't know. Having never played Division One college football or Division One college anything, uh, they. I I don't know if if I'm at a position where I can say that they're mentally weak. You know, uh, it did seem, and and maybe I'm. My observation is just going to be pointing out your you know your point or or echoing your point just in a different 
terminology, but they they did seem like the you know air went out of the balloon, you know uh, this pat or that's pat uh, Saturday night at Minneapolis. I think that there were a lot of things working against them, and I don't know if you, you know. To your point, I guess about uh, being mentally, I just don't know if they. Maybe they went to Minnesota thinking they were going to steamroll the Gophers like they did last year. I, I don't know what happened. It, it, it seemed like they didn't meet their expectations right away and then, you know, called it quits. I, I don't know. that. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to, you know, rag on a bunch of, you know, young men. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to either. And it's, you know, it's nothing personal. It's just in the context the game, but it just seemed like we lost focus after that. It didn't help when, you know, we're starting a backup quarterback on the road. Uh, we don't have the strongest running game to begin with. We don't have a passing game that can really stretch the field with the vertical stretch that's needed in frost passing game. And then, you know, you can, you couple that with the defensive issues. You know, we had a front that got just absolutely mauled off the line of scrimmage. We had linebackers missing run fits. Our safeties weren't put into a good position to make plays in the running game. I mean, we saw Minnesota run the same boundary uh, stretch play. They'd have trips to the field and they'd run a little stretch play back to the short side and you know, we, we have our one high safety aligned to the trips to the field when he needs to be over on that boundary to provide late support against the run. And, you know, it could have been Mike Brown back there at safety. He wasn't going to be able to fit those runs from that alignment. So it was a lot of issues. Um, it all, you know, a little bit of the strength and conditioning aspect kind of shown through that we're still a little ways off there. And that's a function of we're really starting from an absolute zero in terms of strength and conditioning when Frost took over. I mean, we added the mass and the bulk in the past two off seasons, but, you know, still got to add that explosive element to it. And and I want to bring up something that I think you said, if not that Saturday night, you know, at second half or, or, you know, after the game. I know you're you're not usually in the Slack chat room during the game. Maybe you said it even the next day. Uh, there's the difference between, you know, gym strength, you know, like weight room strength and functional strength. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can squat 800 pounds. I don't know if anybody can. I mean, I'm sure somebody can. Uh, the mountain, maybe. Uh, from- no, we, we've got guys on this team. Our defensive linemen, the Davis twins, um, Darian Daniels, those guys are repping in the 860s. All right. Well, I mean, that's impressive as hell. Don't get me wrong, but how does that, how does that train? Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm doing the math here. That's at least three of me and that, and, and, you know, more, you know, three and a half of me. I'm not getting to get specific here. Um, but how does that translate? You know, is it a technique thing? Is it, is it a, you know, a, a scheme thing? What what got the the guys so, I don't know, out of position uh, that Saturday night? It, it just seemed like they were playing on their heels the whole night. Well, the first thing is 
you know, like I was saying, the slack room that you brought up, there's a difference between weight room strength and functional football strength. And a lot of that's in the weight room. Yeah, you got a, you know, 405-pound loaded barbell across your shoulders on back squat, and you're, you know, generating force from the ground, producing force to push that back up. It's a not a dynamic object. It's a static object. It's a static, heavy-ass object, but it's not, you know, moving against you like a center or an offensive guard or an offensive tackle or a tight end. Those are dynamic loads. You know, they're, they're fighting against you. They're doing something to counter what you're doing. Football is nothing, you know, in the trenches, football is nothing more than a force production versus a force resistance sport. So when those offensive linemen are producing force and as a defender, you're trying to resist that force and you're, you know, you just don't, this is where it kind of gets almost a little too technical and really kind of becomes a hornet's nest. You're, you're struggling to use that same strength against a moving object. And that's where it comes into play that you got to rep the piss out of it in practice. You got to have coaches who are great teachers of technique and you got to have some talent, some inherent talent along with that. 90% of being a division one athlete is genetic. You can hone strength, you can hone speed, but most of the time it's 90% genetic. And so you're just refining the small parts of the game, the, the technique, the fundamentals. So, and I'm not saying that we have bad teachers of fundamentals. I think, Tony Tuioti is a very good defensive line coach. I think at this point we need to upgrade talent and guys who are in the program right now that are on the field need another year of development. As much as that sucks to say going into year three next season, need another year of development on the fundamentals and on the explosive side of strength and conditioning. It seems like for the last, I don't know, better part of almost 20 years now, trying to teach this fan base yeah. patience, you know. Uh, I don't want to get, you know, too redundant with what other, you know, podcasts and, you know, personalities have said. I'm more or less regurgitating, but that's why Scott Frost asked for a seven-year contract. He knew it wasn't going to be, you know, like flipping the light switch and all of a sudden they, they were going to be in – in the college football playoff, Big Ten championship, we all, you know, I think despite our, our better judgment, bought into some of that offseason hype uh, that national media was, you know, spouting about Nebraska, you know, from June to late August or, you know, spring game to August, whatever it was. We tempered it at first, but, it, you know, as the season nears and, you know, more and more, you know, eyes get to, you know, observe a practice or, you know, press conferences, media days, things like that. That hype, you know, from the nation, national media seeps into the fan base. We get that energy, that, that adrenaline. And we're like, yeah, we're going to go 10 and 2. You know, people thought that. I, we sat here. And we're like, okay, which ones do we think are, are the obvious, you know, teams that are games that we're going to struggle with? Ohio State, 
Wisconsin. Lo and behold, Wisconsin just lost to Illinois. So they're mm-hmm. going to be a little extra fired up for the rest of their season because they're going to try to, you know, bounce back, maintain their footing, try to win the West, and they're going to have Minnesota, you know, either Black Friday or, or you know, the Saturday after. Uh, you know, so they're going to be playing hard because they can't let up anymore. Um, you've still got, you know, Purdue, who is, I think, going to try to prove that that for the remainder of their uh, schedule, they're going to try to prove that last year wasn't a fluke and that they're a better team than than their uh, record indicates. I don't, you know, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. I don't know jack squat about Indiana, but I know you've got Iowa coming up uh, at the end of the year, and it's Iowa. You know, Iowa and Wisconsin play a very different style of football than Nebraska, and that is slow it down. Control the clock, control the the ball, and don't make mistakes. Um, obviously, you look at what Wisconsin did, and I think three interceptions or three turnovers or something like that against Illinois, maybe four. Um, I, I don't know. What I do know, and I, I want to bring this up again. I, I think I said it uh, last week or maybe after in, in the postgame, you know, after, after Minnesota. Almost two years ago now, you know, Scott Frost was sitting at his introductory press conference and somebody from the, you know, media said, uh, how are you going to adapt your, you know, game plan to uh, Big Ten style? And, and you know, he kind of chuckled and says, well, I hope that they they have to adapt to us. I don't see that happening. Yeah. You know, it's, one, it's another one of those things that it takes time. And I think that, that might have been that comment by Frost might have been something that he's, you know, riding high on emotion of winning the American Athletic Conference with UCF the day before and sure. getting his dream job that next day. And, you know, at that point, he doesn't have a really great grasp on how bad, how rotten the foundation of Nebraska football was at that point in time, how much long, how long it was going to actually take to rebuild it. And, um, you know, I'm down about that Minnesota game. That was really disheartening to see. I mean, it was it was indicative of there still being some raw, uh, some endemic problems to the football program. But I don't necessarily think that it's entirely a, entirely a referendum on Scott Frost and his coaching staff, and it's not entirely a referendum on Nebraska football from the standpoint of we've been here before so much in the past, you know, decade and a half that at this point it's nothing new. Two years ago after that Minnesota game, (laughs) I hate to bring that up again, we knew how far we had fallen. And I remember after Riley, the night before Riley got fired, so it was right after that Iowa game in 17, I was thinking, and I actually tweeted it out, about how I just wanted, you know, no pretenses, no dogma, no bullshit, no inflated expectations. Like, reboot it to absolute zero and rebuild it. And I think people lost sight of that through the Frost hype, you know, that's been, you know, circulated by the media, by the fans, by the national media, by by a little, a little bit 
by this staff as well. But at the end of the day, we're still a team that went four and eight the past two years. The good news is I wish is, that there was progress this year. Yeah, I, you know, like, and maybe the light still goes on. You know, a year ago at this time we were one and six. This year we're four and three. It's you know picking the low hanging fruit, but just in the wins column, you know, we're at four wins on October twenty third as we're recording this. When last year we had one win, but I think people lost sight of truly how bad it was when. Minnesota hung 50 on us. Penn State put a 50-burger on us. Iowa put 50 on us to end the 17 season. You don't come back from, you know, three years of neglect and strength and conditioning overnight. And you don't come back from just an absurd amount of attrition like we had when Frost took over in two years. We're still one of the youngest, if not the youngest team in America. And Frost is absolutely right when he said it's a grown man league. I mean, the Big Ten, I used to make fun of the Big Ten before we joined the conference. I used to think it was boring, weak-ass football. Being in the Big Ten now, this is a grown-ass man's league. Yeah. And you you better have grown-ass men on the front lines, on the offensive line, defensive line, at the linebacker position, at the tailback position. You know, everybody in this conference has dudes. And we're still trying to catch up because of years of neglect, of strength, and conditioning. And from the just the absurd amount of attrition. So, you know, we get to six and six this year. I'd be happy as hell. Eight and four, which was my prediction pretty much through the entire off season, until I drank a little bit of nipped from the flask of you and uh, John's <laughs> Kool Aid. Sorry. And jumped up to the ten win. Yeah, you guys made me look like a real asshole. Um, I'm so sorry. That's all good. The Kool-Aid flows that time of year anyways. No, I mean, we had a, we have a long road back. You know, we're passing some mile markers, but we have a long road back. And seven-year contract, the way you started this segment that we were talking about, that's why. Because it's not going to happen overnight. The, it, I wish that I could point to incremental improvement being made this year. Yeah, where's that at, damn it? Yeah. I mean, at least you have the incremental improvement to, you know, cling to on a cold, dark, lonely night. I, you know, I want to cycle back to, or circle back to one word that you mentioned a few minutes ago, attrition. Uh, I, I don't know why this is the name I decided to pull up, but uh, P.O.B., Patrick O'Brien, he's over at Colorado State uh, so far in 2019. He's thrown two interceptions to six touchdowns, has almost 1,400 yards passing, uh, 98 completions to 157 attempts. Uh, and he's also – he had a, a one run against New Mexico a couple weeks back uh, for 87 yards. I mean, he's yep. – uh, you know, he, well, hold on. Actually, I take it back. My, my mistake, that was a pass. That was a uh, – <laughs> but uh, – uh, similar enough. Um, but, you know, he... You know, and I think the big one that people forget is Michael Decker, uh, medically, his medical retirement. I remember that. That one really hurt because right now he'd be a senior, and I think he was going to be a very, very good player. And that that was... 
Because it's hard to believe that he was actually younger than Tanner Farmer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He uh, registered in 15. Yeah. So, um, you know, talk about, talk about a, and he was the starter until I think he, he got hurt and, and then. Oh, Conrad was the starter. He got hurt. Decker came back in and Decker got hurt. Or no, I think Conrad got yanked. So it was true. I think that's, I think that's what happened. And then Decker got hurt. Uh, yeah, and then last year they, good. last year they just had to, you know, throw anything at the wall and, and, and see what stuck. Um, I want to take a time out now. I think it's, uh, we've lamented our misfortunes enough, I think, for, for now. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about Indiana, um, because as we mentioned in the offseason in our, uh, you know, team by team preview, Indiana's just not a team that we know a whole hell of a lot about. We're going to talk about why when the Five Heart Podcast continues here on the Coronation Radio, Coronation Podcast Network, something like that. You get the point. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahochko here with Hoss Reuter. As we mentioned at the top of the show, he has been busy, as busy as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. But we're glad that he took some time out of his uh, hectic schedule to chat with us for the first time in a few weeks. And in doing so, we were able to give John uh, Damn Johnston the night off because he had a headache, a really bad headache. And we take that shit serious here, so... Uh, John, we know that you probably aren't listening. You should, but you probably aren't. Uh, but we hope you're feeling better. And especially since we're recording this Wednesday night and the episode doesn't drop until Friday, you better be feeling better by then. That's all I got to say. Hoss, uh, Nebraska's been in the Big Ten for how many years? It's our ninth go-around. And I believe this is only the second time that we're seeing Indiana, maybe third? Second. Yeah. And how many times have we seen Ohio State? Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Very. I mean, we haven't seen Michigan a whole lot either. No, I mean, we were in the same division from 11 through 13, and then we've only played them in 18 since then. And we haven't played Penn State since, uh, we've played Penn State once since 2013. Yeah, and that's... crazy um i don't know why they decide and and look part of me part of this is sour grapes folks so so today you know because it seems like every year with the exception of last year when we played them pretty tight uh, you know every year we go up against ohio state and kind of get our brains beat in um it's not fun uh my dad bless his heart you know i see him on sundays at church uh we happen to go to the same church as, as my folks do and after the Minnesota game, like the Sunday after, he said, uh, uh, what you, would you think about the game? I said, it was tough to watch. He's like, yeah, I turned it off shortly after halftime or at halftime or whatever. I said, yeah, I, I couldn't. I said, I got to watch. He's like, man, I don't know how you, you, you do that. I said, well, I get paid to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 20, 20 bucks a month. So, um, you know, so I, I got a, I, I, you know, I got those responsibilities. Um, it doesn't look if if you have no obligation besides fandom to watch. Like I've turned off Steelers games this year, uh, opening week against the Patriots. Hell no, I wasn't going to sit through that after it got to thirty to three. I hate, I can't watch the Patriots. I, nobody's paying me to. Uh, I've never I've never turned off a Nebraska game. No, me either. Um, 
there we've talked about this several times where I've had to get a late start. And so, you know, when I'm DVRing it, maybe I'll hit the fast forward a little bit, a little bit here and there, make it go a little faster. But till the end, to the death, as it were. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Indiana. They sure are a football What's team. Talk about. Hmm. What's there to talk about? You know what they they're dealing with a, a some some Phoenix issues. Some what? What's their quarterback's name? Penix Phoenix. I think it's Penix. Um, yeah, I said, I said some Phoenix issues. Yeah, I'm Maybe pretty some blue chew. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, in the press release it says the pronunciation guide. But did you know that this is the first time that Indiana's played in Lincoln since 1977? I did not, but that's that seems about right. That for what? You better know it just seems right. So, uh, obviously, their coach is Tom Allen. Um, they are five and two, and two and two in Big Ten play. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a two thirty kickoff. It's one of my favorite kickoff times. Um, it's good as 11 a.m. No, we discussed that, but, uh, it's an opportunity with a win, at least temporarily, depending on what time Notre Dame plays, they'd be tied with Notre Dame for sixth in the all time list. Uh, Nebraska would be in the all time wins list. So that's pretty cool. I feel like you know, let's, let's talk about how we're going to get it done. Well, let's let's look at this real quick before we get to X's and O's and and scheme and you know taking care of the ball, which I'd like to see Nebraska do more of. It looks like this is going to be the game where we're going to get those black shirt uniforms. Yeah, yeah, that'll be exciting. You can hear my excitement in my voice. Yeah, yeah that's about it. Um, yeah, um, Indiana is kind of salty on defense. Um, I really, honestly, can't even tell you how this game's going to go. I, I, I just don't know. Well, let's talk about what Nebraska needs to do to get the dub. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, what What have you heard? Being in the the great Cornhusker state, what have you heard as far as personnel? Who's who's been practicing this week? I mean, obviously Adrian Martinez, uh, you know, was uh, not in action at all against uh, Minnesota, and then Wandale Robinson got hurt. It, I feel like we can maybe expect uh, Robinson to be out for a few more weeks. Yeah, I think that's probably the safe bet. Um, that injury that he had wasn't. You know, well, I lost my train of thought. That happens this time of night when I'm right. tired. <laughs> um, or I'm just getting old, one of the two. No, uh, when John, John's you have got an a injury like that to a guy who's just that quick and explosive, you don't necessarily want to rush him back because, I mean, we all saw what happened with Taylor Martinez's issues, you know, lower leg injuries that kind of reduced him with his speed and agility. Oh, excuse me, I can't stop yawning all of a sudden. Oh, um, it's catching on. You need to stop it. It sounds like John. <laughs> what what is the word he, but, he sundowning? That's what he calls it. Su- sundowners, yeah. 
I think that they'll probably play it cautious with Wandale, just from the standpoint of you don't want that injury to become something that lingers and takes away from the speed and the explosion. Um, I think it's probably a safe bet that we see Adrian Martinez against Indiana. You know, at this point he's had now three weeks to rest up, so I think he'll be good to go. And, you know, with Mo Washington not currently being on the team, that load in the backfield is going to fall to Dedrick Mills and Brody Belt and Wyatt Mazur and Ramir Johnson. And hopefully those guys can get something going. I think Ramir Johnson could be a good spark for this offense, just the kind of back that he is with his athleticism. And then just really hope that Cade Warner's presence on the field kind of can stretch the field vertically. I mean, he's been injured most of the year. He gets in against Minnesota. What happens right out of the gate? He has a 26-yard catch, yeah. you know, over-the-shoulder catch. The very next play, he has about a 5- to 7-yard uh, catch. And things looked a little bit coherent with our receiving core. So I think that that's a huge – Cade is a huge weapon to have back. I think that him and J.D. Spielman can play off of one another similarly to how J.D. and Stanley Morgan played off of one another with Stan being the vertical stretch guy and then allowing J.D. to get open underneath. So I'm really I'm really hopeful that, you know, there's a few things to spark this offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of a, you know, not imaginative play calling, but just some new wrinkles added in stuff that could bring us a spark <laughs> to really get the offense jump started. It, it was brought up a couple of weeks ago, and I, I think it was a, a time that, you know, you were out, you know, and unable to discuss it, but. They brought Luke McCaffrey in for a Wildcat, you know, snap. As far as being a little innovative, knowing that there's still three games, I think he's got three games, and I think Ramir Johnson has three games as well, uh, yet on their, you know, red shirt before the red shirt is burned. What would, what would you like? to see if if some of those freshmen got in i and it's funny that it's indiana that you know we're playing because i think of uh super bowl 40 and uh, the steelers and seahawks and using uh antoine randall who was a quarterback in indiana kind of mm-hmm. out of the slot and then he ends up throwing i think the game's only touchdown uh to heinz ward could you could theoretically have a situation where you have Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey on the field at the same time and really you know boggle the mind of the defense? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that would open up the offense a little bit to some trick plays, and I just think at this point there's no stone that's worth leaving unturned. I mean, we got to jumpstart this offense, and whatever it takes, if it takes some trick plays, putting Luke McCaffrey in and having him throw a double pass or something like that, and by all means. I, and, you know, from a Wildcat standpoint, you know, the focus has been so much on protecting Adrian from unnecessary hits, you know. Why not use the Wildcat with Luke McCaffrey inside the red zone? I don't know why. I, I like the idea of, uh, of an option, you know, uh, and – Martinez doesn't necessarily even have to line up, uh, you know, take take the snap from under center. 
Um, but you know, in the option and then Martinez pitches back to McCaffrey and then McCaffrey looks downfield, finds Spielman or Warner or, uh, you know, Noah or anybody, Jack Stoll, if he decided he wanted to, uh, catch a pass from, you know, a time or two. Just something, something to make the defense have to think. Cause I think we've, you know, pigeonholed ourselves into being, fairly one-dimensional, and that was if you can stop Adrian Martinez and if you can stop Wandale Robinson, you can stop Nebraska's offense. That's kind of what it's been. I mean, without Wandale the last couple of weeks, well, we'll say Northwestern, um, you know, and and he was pretty much the offense against Ohio State. You know, they have the the, the manpower, the, the defenders, the, the talent to be able to stop him uh, as a true freshman. Uh you know, as as I think last year was as Martinez goes, so goes the offense. I would almost venture to say this year that as Wandale goes, so goes the offense, and he's out for the foreseeable mm. future. So you're gonna have to find a new Wandale, and, and unfortunately, Wandales don't grow on trees. No, they don't. Unfortunately, you know, if they did, that'd be the biggest cash crop in America. <laughs> but you, um, you no, had- this game's really gonna come down to our offensive line as well. And I, I say that every week, but. It's always the truth. Can we see some one? Will we see some personnel changes? You know, uh, Greg Austin's been talking a lot about Ethan Piper and Bryce Benhart. Um, second of all, will we see some better execution and more efficient play? Because there, that O line really needs to knuckle down, start opening up some holes. I know it sounds very elementary to what their task is in football. But we don't have the speed element right now in the backfield with Wandale being out and Mo Washington being off the team. We're really going to have to grind out some drives. We're, we're going to have to really, you know, saddle up the old workhorse and Dedrick Mills and really grind out drives. So got to open up some holes. Got to be solid in pass protection. Um, Indiana's head coach, Tom Allen. Is a defensive coordinator by trade. The last time that we played them in 2016, they threw a lot of exotic blitzes at us. Um, so it probably will be a little bit of the same. And hopefully, you know, the offensive line can maybe take a step forward on Saturday. It, it is weird, you know, as you mentioned, Nebraska and Indiana met up in 2016. While the Huskers got the dub in that game, it was by a pretty narrow margin, 27-22. Um, and to that it effect, was ugly. Yeah, and to that effect, Indiana's one of the few teams that actually, you know, holds an all-time series lead over Nebraska, 9-8 and 3. Uh, but damn it, let's even up the the scales. Well, I mean, a lot of those uh you know, come well, I would say most of those wins have come before, you know, 1975 because Nebraska's won the five uh, prior meetings, uh, including four in a row uh, from 75, 76, 77, 78. So, anyway, that's more series history nonsense. Defensively, you know, as far as, you know, I, I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's best to... You know, game plan, not 
necessarily against the quarterback, but against the scheme. We don't really know that much about Penix. Uh, but we need to see, you know, same thing that you've been, the, the, the same drum you've been beating for a couple of years now, and that's more pass rush, you know, more, you know, gap blockage or gap stop, uh, you know, and, and setting the edge. And we haven't seen that in a few weeks. And it's shown by, you know, the, I mean, Wisconsin beat us up. The only reason Northwestern didn't beat us up is, you know, they're Northwestern. Uh, but Ohio State being Ohio State. What do we need to do defensively, Haas, to uh, to get that dub? Uh, we got to control the line of scrimmage against the run. Um, at least generate a little bit of a rush to hurry some throws and help if Chenander's going to insist on, you know, basing out of man coverage. We've got to hurry the throws up a, a little bit more because having defenders cover receivers and man coverage for five seconds is never a recipe for success. Someone's got to break open. I mean, you could have the best DBs out there um, if they're asked to cover that long in man-to-man coverage. Someone's got a leak open, so we have to hurry some throws. Simple enough. Let's do it. Ready, break. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the application of it that proved everything's simple in theory. It's the the teaching and the implementing, and right? Putting it together out on the field on Saturdays. That's the difficult part. I'm I'm glad that you know the conversation is has gone this particular way. Something that I mentioned to you and John earlier in the week. Bo Pelini always mentioned whether it was, you know, at halftime going in the locker room or coming out, you know, if he was caught by, you know, any anybody with the microphone. He's like, no, we'll be fine. We just need to execute. You know, it's all part of the process. We got to execute the process, things like that. Mike Riley didn't have any buzzwords except hip, hip, hooray. Um, <laughs> but the, the I'm going to call it the buzzword uh, that we've heard probably the most in just under 24 months with Scott Frost, this culture. I can say, you know, it's easy, again, easy for me, armchair, you know, critic or whatever you might call it. Like, I, when Bo Pelini would continually say, no, we just need to execute, you know, got to trust the process, whatever. And when Scott Frost says, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to make a comparison between Scott Frost and Bo Pelini, but when Scott Frost says, you know, we, we got to change the culture or, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's just all it is is coach speech or, or coach speak for, I don't really have an answer for you. This thing's not going the way I thought it was. Next question, please. Yeah, you know, I do think it's a catch-all term for both Pelini and Frost you know, clean the process and frost culture. I think it's a bit of a catch-all term. And honestly, it wouldn't shock me if it was kind of what's invoked when he doesn't necessarily want to throw players under the bus. Turn my microphone down briefly so that I wasn't, you know, taking a big drink into the microphone. So that's why, no, I, I, I get it, you know, and that's that's the responsible, you know, coach smart thing to do. Um, 
I don't know. I, I guess you know you don't throw anybody under the bus publicly, but privately you, you got to hold those guys accountable. And if you had to, here we go talking about throwing people under the bus. If you had to say one person who really needed to step up this Saturday and show us something, why would it be Isaac Armstrong? Because we probably ain't going to be scoring much. No, I hope that's not the case. Um, we we understand that Bear Pickering is closer to a return. Like he's kicking yeah, in practice, he's practicing. You know, that's that's big. It's only a matter of time, though. You know, like first uh, kick, you know, first field goal attempt or something. Some uh, wild-eyed defender is going to come in and just take his plant foot and and like turn his knee sideways or something. I knock on wood. God, I hope that doesn't happen. But uh that would be a nightmare. It, it it would not be fun for us to see. It would, you know <laughs> wouldn't be much fun for him either. Um but uh you know hopefully that didn't I, I don't like to see anybody get hurt on the field. Um anyway I while we're talking kickers, I think this might be a nice place to uh wrap things up. How about that Brad Maher, huh? He he's a, he's kind of a kicker. Yeah, three straight field goals over 60 yards. He's got, like that. he's got three of the 11 longest field goals in NFL history. Not bad for a kid from Nebraska. Not bad at all. Uh, makes me wonder what in the world ever happened to kicker you. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a clusterfuck. I feel like the emphasis wasn't put on special teams in the Riley era. And the ball was never really picked up so far in the Scott Frost era until they realized, oh, crap, we don't have any kickers. Let's go see what the club soccer team has to offer. Shit, we we have to kick? Yeah, I don't think they did a whole lot of kicking down there in UCF. Yeah, only on extra points. Yeah, time time to start going for two every time like Mike Tomlin would. I'm all for it. I am too. The, the psychological damage that it does to your opponent when you're going for two and you're getting it, it's just like the psychological damage, you know, when you go for it on fourth down and you get it, what it does to the opposing team. And that's kind of similar to the psychological damage that happens when you have to end up punting, you know. A little bit of momentum gets stolen away. What's? Let me ask you this. I, I think I have my opinion. I'll ask you. Psycholo- psychological damage, easy for me to say, has to be worse if you go for it on fourth and come up short rather than if you, you know, have to kick it away. Even though kicking away is obviously the smarter, you know, plan based on the situation. If you if you go for it and you don't get it, you know, like we saw against Minnesota, uh that's gotta be a gut punch. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's kind of, it's a wasted opportunity. Like, at least a little bit when you punt it away, it's like, all right, yeah, we get stopped on that drive. But, hey, we got a pin deep. We're going to shut them down. We're going to get back out there. Well, buddy, I don't think we have anything else to uh, cover this week unless there's something you do besides our predictions. No, I think I think we've arrived at that time. It is that time. Uh John failed to give me his predictions, so 
Uh, All right, we're going to go for John. I'm going to give John's, okay? I'm going to do his voice. Okay. All right, uh, Nebraska three, uh, Indiana two. Well, that would be a hell of a Big Ten score, but you're also putting a lot of faith on the kicker we don't have. How about Nebraska (laughs) six, Indiana two? (laughs) Oh, we missed the extra point. Missed the extra point. Uh, All right, so that's a good one, John. Um, I'm going to say Nebraska. Can I say Nebraska 34 and uh, Indiana 21? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do that. That that's I'm my use that one like 13 times. Other. Hmm. Have you used that prediction like 13 other times? I've always been close. Like I always have Nebraska winning by about two scores, and and they're. Their point total somewhere in the 30s, and and the opponent is somewhere in the 20s. It, it, it varies, but it's similar. Get off my dick. Hey, I you know what? I respect the hustle. I'm going to say Nebraska 24, Indiana 20. And I'm going to look up uh, the odds on the game. We're favored by two and a half. That's what I thought, yeah. Uh, that's not, I mean, that's essentially just your home field advantage. They're really picking this one up in the air. No, I don't want to carve the perfect jack o' lantern. Don't, don't play your ads automatically. Um, all right, so that's it. Let's see what the, the outcome is right. Saturday, 2.30, Nebraska's Memorial Stadium, the best by God. Memorial Stadium in all the land. Haas, as always, man, it's great chatting with you. So thanks for uh, thanks Thank for coming guys. back. Next week, the entire tripod will be here as long as John's feeling well. Haas isn't busy, and I'll, I'll be here because <laughs> uh, I'm the quote-unquote skipper, as Haas would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But but that'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Remember to uh, be a part of the conversation by... Uh, you know, interacting with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Hoss, you've got the number stored in your memory banks. Oh, man. It's, it's 402-472-1830. Let's double check. It is 402-327-1830. If you want to make a call and use your voice, leave a voicemail. i got to figure out if that's set up for text as well. That'd be pretty cool if people could just text into the show. Um, yeah, until Tweety and Pat start texting dick pics. I mean, they wouldn't. There's nothing to see. <laughs> Speculation. Speculation. Anyway, <laughs> you can uh, subscribe to the show on any of the following podcast apps like Podbean or Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, so that's it. Follow uh, me on Twitter at thehooch 36 you can follow at Hoss Reuter. It's R-E-U-T-E-R. At Coronation, of course, at the number 5 Heart Podcast. And uh, you can spell out 5 Heart Podcast on Facebook to like that. And I'm Greg Mahochko, and he's Hoss Reuter. And we remind you this week and every week that 5 Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red, Hoss. Win, a, win the damn game. Glad you changed that. Double clutched it. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. 
for more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. 